So our Bible reading today is Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Well, I don't know about you, but I have really um, enjoyed reading the book of Philippians. I don't know if you had the chance to read the whole book. It's not particularly long, but it is full of content. There's a lot we can learn about doing the Christian life. And this morning is no different. Um, We said last week as we started the book of Philippians that it is the epistle of joy, the letter of joy. When we hear about the book of Philippians, we, we know it as the epistle of joy because quite honestly, Paul is full of joy. And we want to understand why Paul is full of joy. We know that he's in prison. We said this last week. He's in jail. He's in his house arrest, which we're going to unpack a little bit this morning. But we said last week that there's a big difference between joy and happiness. And we said last week that happiness is from happenings. And you find that actually the word happy is shorthand for, in English, for happening. Uh, That's where we get the word happy from, technically. And so we said last week there's a big difference between happiness and joy. And joy is something much, much, much bigger than just passing emotions from happenings. And so we can find our happiness from happenings. For example, we might find our happiness from our family, our children, our marriage. But we said last week, what happens if we separate in our marriage? What, What have we got left? Or we might find our happiness in our jobs, our careers. Uh, but if we lose our job, then, then what are we basing our happiness uh, from? Or it could be our success. You know, the, the, the kind of, um, if you play ice hockey back in the day and you were really good at it and you won loads of trophies and you're still hanging on to that, the success of those trophies. Uh, but as you get older, like I'm discovering I'm at the age of life now where I can't play soccer as much as, or as, as well as I would like to, then if you find your happiness in your successes, then when it's taken away at some point, what do we have left? And so we learned last week that if we find our happiness in happenings or we find our identity in our happenings, if they're taken away, what have we got left? And we learned last week that joy is much deeper than just passing emotions. It's a deep set attitude of mind. And Paul says in verse 9 of Philippians chapter 1, that his prayer is that um, your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. And it's having that understanding. It's having that depth of insight and what joy is, uh, what the Christian identity is, that will uh, give us a good firm foundation for finding joy in life. You see, joy, happiness is found in happenings, but joy is found in Jesus. And we learned last week 
that if we find our joy in Jesus, it is eternal and it can never be taken away. And that is what Paul's grounding is, that regardless of his circumstances, he's able to find joy because his identity is and always will be in Christ Jesus. And we can be encouraged. Verse six, it says, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. When we come to Christ, Christ continues to work in us until we meet God again in glory. So we can always be joyful because we know that God is working in our lives every single day. It says so in the Bible. So regardless of our circumstances, we can have joy in Jesus Christ as Christians. We don't have a lot of influence over our happenings. Good things and bad things happen, which can be out of our control. But you have total control over our attitudes, how we respond to life. In other words, we can have control over how we respond to the situations that we go through. The attitude you will have will greatly determine whether deep in your heart uh, you nurture joy or you nurture sadness. And happiness is found in happenings, but joy is found in Christ. And I hope we remember that as we look through the book of Philippians. And so this morning, I want us to look at Paul's example of um, how he responds, how he responds his attitude when difficult circumstances arise. And so if you've got your Bibles, Philippians 1, verse 12, and we'll dive straight in. And I've only got three points this morning. It's a quick sermon. And it goes like this. He says, verse 12, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Paul is telling us that even though he's in prison, even though he's chained to a, a, a Roman guard, he's saying good things have come out of it. What a lovely attitude to have. The Philippian church here uh, who are supporting and sponsoring Paul uh, are writing to him uh, and, and, uh, and well, sending Epaphroditus to them because they're concerned that Paul is arrested. Now, if any one of you here was arrested this afternoon for doing some misdemeanor, then I would be concerned, right? You know, I get a phone call, Pastor Simon, uh, such and such a person is being arrested and they're in prison. And I'd be like, can you help them? I'd be like, oh yeah, okay, what can we do? You know, I might go down to the sheriff's office and try, I'd be concerned, right? Well, the Philippians are concerned for Paul, for his welfare. And Paul is saying, listen, you don't need to worry. You see, they're worried for Paul because being prison in, in uh, those times, chances are he was in Rome, being prison in Rome for um, uh, Caesar at that time would have been dangerous. Why is Paul arrested? Well, he was preaching in Jerusalem and the Jewish people didn't like him preaching the gospel. And so they got him arrested and Paul, he says, I, I want to come before Caesar and present my case. And so the Roman guard, they get him, they chain him together with another Roman soldier, they take him to prison and now he's arguably in Rome in a Roman prison, which wouldn't have been a good thing to, at that time. 
Now, Rome at this time aren't overly concerned about preaching the gospel. That will change in the years to come. But for now, uh, Paul is arrested and chained up and the Philippian church are worried for him. And as such, Paul has to pay for his own accommodation. He's in house arrest. He has to pay, get, arrange his own food. And that, that's what the church are doing. They're helping him. They're sending him financial aid. They're, almost, they're like tithing their cash to support Paul in the ongoing work of the gospel. And Paul is saying to these people, listen, do not worry because I'm in the place God wants me to be. Do not worry because the gospel is going into places that it would never have gone into if I, I had not been in chains. He says this, don't worry because what is happening to me is advancing the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ is being, is being brought in an area that it would never have done otherwise. What a beautiful attitude to have. We may not be in prison in our own lives, but life can be tough. How do we act when situations go against what we would like them to? Uh, in the summer, I, I shared, I said an example. I said, if I'm carrying a coffee cup and somebody bumps into me and I um, spill my coffee on the floor, whose fault is it that the coffee came out? And the point is, it's not, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. The point is, coffee came out of the cup. If water was in the cup, water would come out of the cup. If tea was in the cup, tea would come out of the cup. The fact is, something happened and it came out of the cup. And when I shared that analogy, I, I said, when things bump into us, when life goes against us, what comes out of us? Whose fault is it? Is it the person's who make, made our life difficult? No. The point is, whatever's going on inside of our lives, that's what will come out. So if, you are, if, you're not, if you're not following the Lord, then what's going to come out? Is it anger? Is it bitterness? Is it jealousy? Or if we're following the Lord and the fruit of the Spirit is living in us, is that coming out? And I think Paul is in chains and a difficult situation's arisen. What comes out of Paul is the fruit of the spirit of joy. Paul is still joyous because he's walking and loving and living in the Lord. Has anybody ever shocked you? You know, when someone, do your kids do that? Or anybody, you know, when you kind of like hide behind a door and you come into a dark room and they go like, rah, you know? If someone shocks you, what comes out of your mouth? Is it like, uh, oh, praise the Lord? Or is it like, uh, is it a swear word? Like what comes out of your mouth? You should try that. Well, maybe don't. You've got a weak heart. Don't try that with people with weak hearts. Scotch that. But what comes out of us when life is tough? Paul is able to have joy in all circumstances because last week we unpacked that we are saints in Christ, that we are partners in the gospel together, 
and that Christ continues to work in us, a good work until the day of completion in Christ Jesus. And I believe as Christians, our attitude should be like that of Paul and that every opportunity is one where we can bring the gospel of Jesus with us. Wherever we are, the gospel of Christ can go with us. We can ask the question as Christians, how will this situation that I'm in right now provide an open door for me to share the saving grace of Jesus Christ with whom I have never had the opportunity to do this before? Whatever situation we are in, we can bring the gospel of Jesus Christ with us. If we love Jesus, we can take the gospel with us. It is a great opportunity to bring the gospel wherever we are. And Paul has this joy in his heart because even though he's in chains, he's literally chained to a Roman guard. He's got joy because he's got a captive audience. They can't get away from him. He's chained to somebody 24 hours a day. How amazing is that? And Paul is saying, because I'm in chains, this is good news. But what he says, now I want you to know. He says, I want you to know this. Listen to me. Pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. This is important. Do not worry. Listen to me. Now I want you to know. What, do we want? what does he want us to know? Now in any circumstances, the gospel can go with us. Verse 13. And as a result... It has become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. This is brilliant. Um, as a result, it's become clear through the whole palace guard. Who were the palace guard? The palace guard were these Praetorian guard. They were like Caesar's special forces, like Navy SEALs, like the SAS, like, you know, the, the real tough guards. They're like the, the elite. And these elite guards, they would have been paid double pay because they were so tough. And so, you know, they wanted to protect Caesar. They would have had, so double pay, they could have retired after 12 years of service because they were so elite in what they did. A bit like the RCMP, right? You know, this like elite fighting force. And it must have been hard to evangelize to this elite God, right? Wrong. Paul is saying that I've got a captive audience here. Paul is saying that I'm able to preach to them. They're going to get an earful from me. They thought that Paul was the prisoner, but Paul's actually thinking, I've got captive audience to preach the gospel of Jesus. And I imagine in those, those moments, those long hours tied to Paul, he's able to have those conversations, those dialogues, those long debates. We say, what a hardship that Paul is in chains. But Paul is saying, what an opportunity to preach Jesus Christ. When I read verses like that, <clears throat> It encourages me that wherever I go, who am I preaching the gospel to? So, for example, you know, you go to hospital, and it's not a, you know, 
It may not be a good situation. On the one hand, it's not nice. But on the other hand, you may have a captive audience, a doctor or a nurse or a receptionist or someone that you just sat in, you know, A&E, you know, accident and emergency. You sat there next to somebody else. Perhaps it's an opportunity to share the gospel. Maybe it's they need it. I had to fly on an airplane from the UK to Canada. It's about a 10 hour long flight. What a great opportunity to share Jesus with somebody who sat next to me who can't move for 10 hours. Right? They're going to get an ear full of Jesus Christ in those 10 hours in a nice way, right? Or if you break down in the car, what a nightmare. You've got to get the emergency guy to come and rescue you. But then he's giving you a, a tour somewhere and you're able to share Jesus. Or hairdressers. I'm amazed there isn't more hairdressers in church because you sat there for 30 minutes. If you're a lady, you might spend a couple of hours getting your hair all like your highlights and all the curls, whatever, right? For like an hour or two. What a great opportunity. You've got a captive audience to share about Jesus. Paul's confidence and joy is that he can share the life of Christ with whomever he's with. Paul's optimism is con it's, it's contagious because he knew the life-transforming presence of Jesus that only Jesus can present, and he wanted to share it. He knew he found this life in Christ. He knew that he had new life. He wasn't always a Christian. He was trying to kill Christians in the beginning of Acts. He's got new life in Christ. He's discovered that he's got abundant life when he's living in Christ. And he knows that one day when he dies, he's going to get eternal life. He has this life in Jesus Christ. And he wants to share it with everybody else. But he's asking for prayer as well. In it. He's asking for prayer, which we'll come back later on. How do we know that there are people coming to Christ in the book of Philippians? Well, Philippians 4, 22 tells us. He says, um, he writes back to the Philippian church. He says, greet all the saints in Christ. The brothers who are with me send greetings. All of the saints, remember saint is those who follow Jesus. All of the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Paul's giving us an indication that those who are with Paul and chained to Paul and in encountering Paul are becoming Christian. It's telling me that Paul is having an influence sharing the gospel, which encourages me because wherever we go, we can take the gospel with us. You see, if I find our identity in Jesus and that identity turns into joy, in Jesus, then we will become passionate and want to share the gospel of Jesus with others so that they too may find the life of Christ for themselves. There are far too many people in my life who do not know Jesus. And I'm not saying that it's easy. Sometimes the hardest people to share the gospel with are those who are closest to you. But wherever we go, we can be encouraged that the gospel goes with us. The gospel is working wherever it goes. Wherever it goes, people are believing and being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think that is awesome. I can go anywhere in the world 
and I can find people who love Jesus. I go to Germany, and there are Christian churches there. I go to France. I go to South Africa. I come to Canada. People are still loving and worshiping Jesus. The gospel has gone before us. It's not a new concept, and it will continue to go with us. Why? Because the gospel lives in us through the life of Jesus. It's our story. Wherever we go, we can share Jesus. We can be confident of this. And the thing is, in verse 14, Paul says, because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. So it's not just Paul preaching, but since Paul is on fire for Christ, he's actually encouraging others. People are more courageous to speak the gospel. You see, Christianity is contagious. When people know that the life of Christ can change lives, can break chains, can, can affect addictions, can move people's lives in a positive direction, can rebuild marriages, can restore relationships. When people understand that the life of Christ can do all of those things and so much more, people want to know about it. I was so encouraged. I'm still, I, I, please pray. Prayer request. I was so encouraged that some of the guys from my soccer team came over Christmas Eve to New Life Church to, to the services. And I want to just imagine they being baptized. Oh my goodness, how fantastic would that be if they knew that their lives could be for Christ as well and have new life and abundant life and eternal life. The gospel goes wherever we go. Paul is enthusiastic for the gospel. And then there are other brothers and sisters. They're, they're more encouraged to speak the gospel boldly and courageously. When one person becomes a Christian, what I find in life isn't just one person becomes a Christian, but two or three people become a Christian because all of a sudden people see this transformation in their lives and they begin to ask questions. You know, for example, a, a wife might become a Christian and their husband's like, what's happened to her? I better find out more about this. I better go to church and see what's going on. And the next thing we know, the husband starts coming to church and gives his life to Christ because Christianity is contagious. And that's what's happening here with Paul in prison. Paul's challenge to us, he says this, most of the, of the brothers and sisters speak the word more courageously. More is, the, uh, is, is, a, is a Greek word and actually means very great. It actually means exceedingly great. It actually means surpassingly so. It means more than we can understand. Paul is basically saying here, because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God surpassingly, with great enthusiasm, surpassingly, contagiously, courageously, and fearlessly. That's what the Greek says. The English doesn't cover that at all. The English is terrible. That's what Paul asked the word more, surpassingly so, 
the brothers and sisters are preaching the gospel surpassingly, with surpassing uh, fearlessness, with excessive courage and boldness without fear. They're preaching the word logos with great enthusiasm. How amazing would it be if Christians today had the same attitude with Christ Jesus, that wherever we go, we're taking the gospel and we're preaching Christ with surpassing courage, that we're not scared to preach the gospel. But Paul tells us even that there are times when he is scared. It's okay to be scared. Paul says he asks for prayer. Philippians 6, verse 20. Verse 19 and 20, pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am in the ambassador for chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Even the apostle Paul is praying to be fearless in preaching the gospel. What a wonderful prayer that is. So my encouragement, if we know Jesus Christ, And if he's changed our lives, Andy, we know that he's continuing to change our lives for the better. Let us go out there and preach fearlessly for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because when we are on fire for God, others will be on fire too. It's contagious. How do we remain on fire for God? Well, Hang out with people who are on fire for God. If you see someone who loves and is passionate about Jesus, spend time with them. And and just, you'll get that enthusiasm. But you might be asking the question, well, do you know what? I don't think I'm an evangelist. I'm not passionate. I'm not, I I get worried. I get scared. I, I, I can't preach like Billy Graham or anybody like that. Well, we don't have to. Because each and every one of us has the story. Each and every one of us here who loves Jesus can share the story. But also as a church, there are ways in which we can preach the gospel. We have an event coming up um, in March, March 8th to the 11th for four days. We are partnering up with Cape and Ray Bible School. So the second year students of Cape and Ray Bible School, and I'm hoping uh, another organization a Christian organization in the, the valley. We're going to be working together. We're going to be partnering together. And we're going to be doing something called Love Duncan. And Love Duncan, uh, for four days, uh, we as a church and uh, our youth group, our youth church, uh, are going to be working together, going out into the community, sharing the gospel. And we can share the gospel in different ways. We can share the gospel by preaching it. There's an expression, uh, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of it before. Uh, You can preach, um, what is it? In everything that you do, preach the gospel. And then when you need to, use words. Something like that. Have you heard that expression before? Uh, I'm not sure I agree with it, to be honest. People need to know the gospel. How am I supposed to share the life-transforming presence of Christ? By my actions. I, I get the sentiment but they need to hear the gospel explained to them that we are sinners, that we need to be, you know, redeemed by Christ. 
that they need to turn away from their sinful life and follow Jesus. That's the gospel. We can do that. So we're going to go out into the streets. We can practice it. We can make mistakes. You know, we can whatever. My first time I did something like this, I spoke to a lady. I made her cry. Okay? <laughs> so that's probably not the best way to share the gospel, I know. But, you know, we, okay, we learn from it and we move on. And, but we're going to have an opportunity to get out into the valley and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to have the opportunity to be working with the youth and Cape Bible School. Uh, we're going to get out and do um, acts of kindness. We're going to be doing yard work, you know, clearing up people's yards, painting fences, getting out into the, into the city center. We've got a meeting with the mayor on Tuesday about how we can partner with the local government and support them as a Christian church. You know, we want to be out in the community um, doing the acts of love, you know, and, and preach the gospel. And we're going to be out there. And, you, and I hope we can do it together as a church. And if you want to get involved, please come and see me. We're going to have a, a meeting, um, a, a special evening dedicated to this. And we can, we're going to share all the information this week of what that's going to be looking like. But it's an opportunity to get out, to preach the gospel, to share the gospel. And every single one of us can have a role in that. You may not be able to, to uh, preach the gospel, okay, straight away. But you could serve and you can help and you can support others doing it. But it's going to be a big learning curve for all of us uh, and an opportunity to keep preaching Jesus Christ. And then after that long weekend with Cape and Ray, um, we also um, are going to be running an Alpha course. You may want to get signed up for the Alpha course, be a table leader. And so we can invite the community to come and join the Alpha course. So there's a, there's a whole vast array of opportunities to serve and preach in the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I want to encourage us. Paul is in chains, and yet he has this joy overflowing in his life because he understands who Jesus Christ is and how his life is being transformed. And because of that, he wants others to know Jesus Christ too. And in his enthusiasm, it is contagious. There are others who, can preach the, who are more confident to preach the gospel because of Paul. And because of that, there are people coming to know Jesus Christ. Why did we go to two services? One, because the car park was full. We couldn't get any more cars in the car park. Two, because we wanted to create room for people to come and worship God. One service, you know, we're too big for one service. But we're not big enough for two. My prayer is that all of these seats that are spare may be filled up with people who love Jesus Christ. But I can't do it by myself. Together, as partners of the gospel, it says in verse 5, together we can preach Jesus Christ and see the Holy Spirit do some amazing things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have your word. We thank you that we have your spirit living in our lives, continually transforming us and renewing us 
continually, Lord, working in us every single day to become more like you so that we grow in a sense of Christ. I thank you, Lord, Heavenly Father, that we have life in Jesus in tremendous ways. And I just thank you, Lord, Heavenly Father, that we know you as our Lord and Savior. And I just pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here this morning who doesn't know you as their Lord, then they commit their lives to you. And I pray, Lord, Heavenly Father, that you give us courage and boldness to keep preaching the gospel so that we don't see anyone go to hell. We don't see anyone, Lord, in a lost eternity. And I just pray, Lord, for each and every one of us here this morning, that if there are folk in our lives, that I just pray, Lord, for breakthrough, for renewal, for revivals, Lord. When we pray, Lord, all those, all those prayer cards in the prayer room, Lord, there are so many prayer requests for loved ones who do not know you. And I pray, Lord, Heavenly Father, this morning, on the 14th of January, 2024, that we see breakthrough, that we see people come to know Jesus Christ in powerful ways. We pray, Lord, Heavenly Father, that these spare seats here may slowly and continually fill up with people who are new in Jesus. Lord, we thank you that we have a life in Christ. And I pray that we never take this for granted. Amen.